All right, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1. 2 Peter, chapter 1. Now, I'm going to be introducing a new series this morning that I'll be doing. Uh, now, I'll do it today and next Sunday and then four more times whenever, okay? But it's a series that I'll be following uh, when I substitute for Steve in the next few months uh, at, and, and when, anytime he requests me to. So, Steve, would you uh, read the word and we'll listen carefully. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace and to be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. Now, uh, there's one other verse that uh, Steve's going to read. I'm not going to ask you to turn to it. I'm going to ask you to listen. Listen as he reads it out loud. It's uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Read that verse for us, Steve. That you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Now, in this verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, Peter says this, uh, you're a chosen uh, uh, generation, you're a royal priesthood. Now, King James says you're a peculiar people. <laughs> now, maybe he nailed it. Yeah, he nailed it. Actually, the word peculiar means special. So you're a special people, and here's how special you are, that you should show forth, now the King James says, his praises until he comes, uh, uh, praises of him who has selected or called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, that you've been redeemed, you've been called special for the purpose of showing forth his Praises. Well, the problem is that's not the word praises in the Greek. The Greek word there is the word virtue. Now, notice what it says, that you may show forth, and that's talking about your life. It's talking about from the inside out, living it out. It's not talking about your lips declaring a message of Christ. It's talking about your life declaring the virtue of Christ. And we are a special people so that our lives can declare or show forth the virtues of Christ just as surely as our lips proclaim the message of Christ. Our life 
is to proclaim or declare the virtue of Christ. Now go back to that second Peter passage for just a moment. Uh, in verse 5 it says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now the translation we read from a moment ago said goodness, and that's a wonderful translation because that's what the word virtue means. It means an internal moral goodness. Okay? But that word is the same word as it is in 1 Peter 2.9. It's the word virtue. And so what he's saying is we have been redeemed. We have been called a special people so that we can declare or show forth or live out his virtues. Just as surely as we with our lips preach Christ, we are to our life declare Christ's virtues. Dr. Carl Menninger is an American or was an American psychiatrist, uh, psychiatrist who founded the Menninger Clinic in Topeka, Kansas. In 1973, he wrote a book that was entitled, Whatever Became of Sin? Now, the essence or the thesis of the book was whatever happened to calling sin, sin. Okay? Now, uh, he made this statement in that book, and I've read it. It's an old book, but it's a good one. Listen to this statement. The day is coming, according to Dr. Carl Menninger, when the word sin will no longer be a part of the human vernacular. The explanation of sin and wrongdoing will be replaced by rationalizations excusing individual accountability. What year did he say that, sir? You think? What year did he say that? He said that in 1973. Okay, it's already come true. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen it come to pass, haven't we? That's why I say you think. Now, let me say it again. The explanation of sin and wrongdoing, according to Dr. Menninger, will be replaced by rationalizations excusing individual accountability. Now, here's the point I want to make. Let me get into the message before we start with questions, okay? Here's the point I want to make. I have another question. Whatever happened to virtue? Now, whatever happened to virtue, I don't mean the concept of virtue. I don't mean uh, the idea of virtue. I mean uh, the presence of virtue in our living as Christians. Now, as I've said, it's obvious that we are to preach Christ with our lips. But it's not quite as obvious to us that we're to declare Christ with our lives. So his message, his name is our message on the lips. The message of Christ on the lips. But his virtue is the message of our lives. Now, Steve is doing this for us in the book of Colossians the last several weeks. He's reminding us 
that the message of Christ, the reality of Christ, ought to make us different in our living. And so I say, we preach Christ as the message of the Bible, but sometimes we don't think about declaring that same Christ with the virtues that come from our life. Now, that's what I'm going to introduce a series called Whatever Happened to Virtues. Will it surprise you to know that beginning next Sunday, we're going to look at specific virtues, courage, modesty, love, faithfulness. We'll look at a lot of them, four of them, actually. But my point is, the fact that sin is being forgotten is a terrible thing in our eyes. So should it be a terrible thing for us to think about virtues being forgotten also. So I want to talk to you this morning. I want to introduce to you the concept of whatever happened to virtues. Now we're going to see three simple things. And the first one is the one that's so necessary because you got to know what you're talking about when you're talking. So we're going to look at the definition of virtue. By the way, I sent in our outline on Wednesday. I'm not sure why our outline is not ready. No problem, okay? We don't look to blame somebody or see what. We just can say, hey, God's got a purpose, and you're going to have to look at me all the time instead of looking down at your nose. You know, now I know it's a curse on you, but it's a blessing to me. Because when I teach, I look for the eyes of people. I really do. That's why I can't preach in a dark room, a dark uh, auditorium. Uh, that's why I despise pulpits that are 100 yards away from the congregation. If I had my druther, I'd rather be right there, uh, you know, standing or sitting right there, look real close to the congregation because that's just the style I enjoy. But the fact is, um, we're going to begin this series on... Uh, whatever happened to virtue. And here's the definition that I'm going to be using. And my whole point there was we won't blame anybody for outline not being here. We'll just take it as the will of God, okay? Here we are. And by the way, we do use words that a lot of times we don't understand. When I say virtue, what am I talking about? I never will forget. Um... Years ago, I was one of those guys uh, who, I mean, I'd buy 50 cents worth of gas. Of course, that was, back in those days, that was three gallons, you know, or more. Uh, and then I'd go to another filling station and buy three more because the guy that came out to pump gas, I always talked to them about the Lord and about their need of Christ. And so I'd drive along and see somebody on the side of the road working in their yard. And I'd stop, hey, how you doing? Boy, isn't it a great day to work in the yard? And then I'd start talking to him about the Lord. Well, there was a young boy who was in his front yard, and he was working in his yard. And I pulled over and rolled down the window, and I say, hey, young man, doing a good job there. Looks good. He came over, and I said, uh, introduce myself. I was, a, at that time, youth director of a little church there, Lacoma Baptist Mission. And I said, uh, uh, I just wanted to know, have you ever been saved? Now, I knew what I meant. Oh, he did too. He said, oh, yes, sir. 
I was going under for the third time last year at the creek and my brother pulled me out. No, he didn't know exactly what I was talking about, okay? So I had to tell him that the word saved has a totally different connotation than just your life being uh, jerked from the clutches of death, okay? Although that's a matter of speaking what happened. But the point is, virtue has a definition. Now, here is the definition that I have for virtue. Virtue, virtue means moral excellence. Virtue means the power to impact. And I can tell you're as thrilled to death as you can be to know that. I mean, that's really exciting, isn't it? I can see the excitement in your faces. You know, moral excellence, power to impact. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, let me illustrate it. Do you remember when the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years and had spent everything she had and was no better but rather got worse with every time she was treated and she heard of Jesus and the scripture says she found him and there was a crowd around him. There always is a crowd around Jesus. And she pressed through and thought to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. And she reached down and took the hem of his garment and the scripture says virtue went out of him. And he stopped and he said, who touched me? And his disciples looked at him and said, Lord, what are you talking about? Look at all the people around you touching. No, he knows the difference between people who just are familiar in a crowd and someone who in faith reaches out and touches him needing something. You understand what I'm saying? Now the word virtue, virtue went out of him, is the word goodness. It's the Greek word, uh, apex, which means uh, quality of life or virtue or character and some kind of powerful thing. Goodness went out of Jesus and impacted that woman so that she was healed. And it was an amazing miracle. Now, that's the first word, uh, uh, moral or character excellence. That's what went out of Jesus. The goodness of his character, the, the excellency of his inner quality of life itself went out of him and brought life to that woman. Okay? But the second meaning is power to impact. Now let me illustrate that for you. Here's my nitroglycerin. I carry this with me in my front pocket. Uh, it's just a little bitty pill. And there are times when I'm supposed to have this with me so that if I need to, I'll be able to put it under my tongue. And when I put it under my tongue, the first thing that, head, uh, that happens is my head explodes. Well, it feels like it's exploding, but uh, anyway, it's doing what it's supposed to do with my system and all of that. Now, the thing of it is, I've been told by my doctor, once you open it, and you can tell I've had this one open, once you've opened it, you have to be careful uh, to not keep it too long because it loses, and these are his words, it will lose its virtue. We call it shelf life. Anything that's going to be no good after such loses its virtue. 
its power to do whatever it's supposed to do as a food or as a medicine. Now, that's exactly what virtue is in the Christian life. It is an inner quality, inner goodness, inner character that is birthed of Christ himself, his character in us by the Holy Spirit that has the power to impact people and change their lives. That's why it's such a um, dangerous thing for virtue to be lost. It's just as dangerous as the meaning of sin to be lost. The losing of the reality or the meaning of virtue should not be lost either because that's what impacts the lives of people. Have you ever heard anybody who said, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know for sure what they were talking about, but man, there's just something about their life. There's just something about them. Well, that's the power, the impact. That's like nitroglycerin, only you don't have to lose your virtue, although we can. We can lose the power to impact people for the cause of Christ, as surely by our lives and we, as we can by closing our lips about the message of Christ. And so that's uh, the definition of virtue. Now, the second thing I want to mention to you is what I call a determination of virtues. By that, I simply mean this. Well, who decides what's virtuous? Who decides what the list is? Who decides what are good characters, uh, characteristics and bad characteristics of our life? Well, let me read you what a sociologist said, and I want to spring from that into what I want to say. Uh, a sociologist said this, a society determines its virtues, and then those chosen virtues determine whether that society will rise or fall. All right, now, I don't know whether the sociologist is a Christian or not. I just don't know this fellow who said that, or lady. But I think they nailed it. A society determines what they think is virtuous, a virtue. And that virtue they embrace will either cause the society to Rise or fall? Let me illustrate it for you, uh, if I can. By the way, here are some of the ennobling virtues that I want us to think about in this series. And the word ennobling means to uh, invest with dignity and honor. In other words, I want us to invest with dignity and honor certain virtues. That's my whole goal in this series. For instance, uh, things like... Uh, uh, courage and honesty and modesty and faithfulness and diligence and reverence and love and a ton of others. Now there are also base virtues, the baser virtue. That's like the, uh, the uh, that's the idea of it being the lowest part. Like the base of something is the lowest part. The lowest part of virtues are those that would be called this: uh, success, intelligence, beauty money-making, and then the negative ones like lying and cheating and stealing, okay? All those are the baser virtues. 
there are the positive virtues. Now, who determines which will be lived out? Well, the sociologist said society determines what they see as virtues, and when they embrace them, it will either cause their culture to rise or cause their culture to fall. For example, uh, take the Roman Empire. When uh, Peter wrote, it was during the Roman Empire. And one of the characteristics, one of the virtues of the Roman Empire was bravery. I mean, they worshipped bravery. In fact, did you know that the Roman Empire, the Roman army, is the one that invented the short sword? Up until that time, the Grecians and all the other uh, warring nations and so on would have long swords, unwieldy, difficult to swing. Well, the Roman Empire uh, took the word bravery, the character, characteristic of bravery, the virtue of bravery, and they honored it. They ennobled it. They made it the best thing. So they even shortened their swords so that a brave Roman soldier could get in close and be close to the enemy to kill them. Oh, what a wonderful thing. They're the ones who invented the gladiators. So they began to have their gladiatorial uh, you know, events in the, in the Colosseum. And they would have their gladiators fighting other prisoners from conquered nations. And eventually, even under some of the emperors, Christians were taken to those coliseums and were used like that. And the people who watched, because the gladiators were showing bravery with their short sword. Well, when they would fight, whoever they were fighting would have a short sword also. But when it would come to the end, and if the Roman soldier, gladiator, which they always did, they had the armor. The others didn't. They would have them at the point of the end of the sword. The audience would give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Thumbs up meant let him live. Boy, he was brave. Or thumbs down. He didn't have any bravery at all. Because you see, in their emphasis of bravery, they lost the characteristic of mercy. They lost the characteristic of fairness. Are you following me? And the Roman Empire fell eventually. Part of it, the fall, was because of them ennobling bravery at the expense of love and mercy and kindness and so on. All right, take uh, Russia as an example. Did you know that Russia has taken a very good quality? It's called loyalty. Loyalty is a wonderful virtue. And they have ennobled, they have made honorable Loyalty. The problem is they made it loyalty to the state above everything else, anybody else. And so all at once, you've got families that are opposed to each other because of loyalty to the state. You've got kids in the uh, uh, 
in Russia years ago who would tell against their parents, speak against their parents. Now, I know that some changes have come to the Russian culture, and I'm grateful for it, but it would have never come had they not changed their virtue of loyalty to the state, because whatever virtue you embrace will cause you to rise or it'll cause you to fall. Are you following me here? Well, now, let's don't get too upset with the Roman Empire and with the Russian Federation, what about America? Well, a few years back, they asked 50 families in Japan this question. What is the number one factor in your child doing well in school? They asked 50 Japanese families, what is the number one factor in your child doing well in school? They asked 50 American families, what is the number one factor in your child doing well in school? Do you know what the answer was in the Japanese parents? Diligence. Do you know what the answer was with the American parents? Intelligence. IQ. All right, now watch. There was a day 100 years ago, 150 years ago, when the American answer, as far as the culture is concerned, would have been diligence. And we were producing men like George Washington Carver, who stayed with the stuff so he could do all that he did with the talent that he had. Are you following me? But we've changed to where our virtue is more on the level of intelligence or success or making money and so on. And we don't produce as many George Washington Carvers. We have more Bill Clintons who bring immorality into the White House or Ivan Boskis who will have a fortune of other people's money being invested and steal it. Are you following me here? More and more, our culture is embracing the baser virtues. Now, I can talk about the American culture, but ladies and gentlemen, I'm not interested in the American culture being the uh, object of my lesson. The object of this lesson is not for the American culture or for that matter, the, America, the Russian culture, or the Roman Empire. It's the message for the people of God. And what is that message? Don't forget that we are to demonstrate the reality of Christ in our character with virtues as surely as we are to declare his name as our message with our lips. And if we lose it, what? Virtues. If we forget virtues, whatever happened to virtues, if we don't answer that question as God's people, then I don't think we can point a finger at the American culture as much as sometimes we try to. And by the way, don't hear me saying that the American culture 100 years ago was wonderful and everything that it ought to be. I'm not saying that at all. 
You can't read what happened in 1921 in Tulsa in that horrible massacre of African Americans. I mean to tell you, you can't read. I didn't. Even, I lived there 10 years, never heard of it. And when I started researching all the inequities among the races in this nation, listen, we were founded with a constitution that says that we have, uh, we want to pursue uh, the, the ability to have peace and to, uh, you know, freedom and so on and equality. Wonderful, but we ain't there yet. We've got to keep working at it as a as a society. But I am telling you, if we ever lose the qualities of uh, equality and of embracing those who are different and so on, then as a culture, we will go down. But it doesn't begin with a culture. It begins with God's people. Why? Because as surely as our message will change the eternal destiny of people, our character can change the destiny of a society. I don't mean now that we can bring a society to Christ just with our lives. I don't mean that at all. But I am saying that it takes our lives matching the message of our lips for it to really be believable in the minds and the hearts of people. Now, uh, evidence that we've changed Atlanta. Uh, not too long ago, a uh, few years back, actually, they asked some junior high kids. Do you all remember uh, the, the movie Gary Cooper starred in, High Noon? You, you remember that? You remember old Tex Ritter sang the song, Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling? And the whole story was the fella, uh, Gary Cooper, who was the sheriff, and the bad guys were coming, and his wife, uh, they were soon to be married. Would you not stay? You'll, they'll kill you. You've got to leave now. And if you stay, I can't, you know. And that's why Tex Ritter wrote the song, and it was the song of the movie, uh, Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling, and all of that. Well, a group of uh, junior high students were asked, what do you think of... Uh, the star in that movie, High Noon. They showed them the movie and uh, laid out the plan, the situation of it. What do you think of that guy? And here was what they said. They said, he's stupid. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because a person's got to watch out for themselves. He's a sucker. Now, remember, kids down in the grade school, Mary and I were in a grade school for a few hours this week in their clogging group, had a wonderful time. But let's remember that when kids are that, it's still the parents that are more influential. And I don't mean just for the good, but even for the bad. They're still just reflecting a lot of what the parents are saying and doing. You understand what I'm saying? And that bothers me tremendously. But what really ought to bother me is if I think he was a sucker. If I think you get in or get out according to whether it's comfortable for you or not. Are you following me? When I embrace that, then my life isn't matching what I say with my lips about Jesus. Because his virtue was... He always counted the cost like the garden experience, but he embraced the loss. In other words, 
He went to the cross on our behalf. He was, a, he was taken and nailed to the cross for our good. Now, he did pray, Father, if possible, let it pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Why? Because he wasn't a sucker. He wasn't a fool. He was a dedicated, determined, diligent individual who knew his calling from the Heavenly Father. And the Lord Jesus is the example for us of doing what is right, what is best, what is virtuous, even if it costs you, even if it costs you your life. Well, that leaves us to the third thing I want to mention, and I close with it, the decision of virtue. I've already given you the analysis of it. Second Peter uh, Second uh, Peter 1, 5 says, for this reason, uh, we are to uh, add, uh, I'm sorry, uh, we're to, uh, we are to declare forth his virtue. Now here's Second Peter 1, 5. Listen to it. For this reason, what reason? Well, everything I've been talking about. I'll just make it my message as we end today. Everything I've been talking about. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith now what that's a, what's that a reference to your salvation experience your embracing of Christ add to your faith you would think according to the way my history with Southern Baptist has always been study the Bible read the Bible have a quiet time with the Bible <coughs> get to know the Bible but that's not what the verse says uh, knowledge doesn't say add to your virtue, add to your faith knowledge. It says add to your faith what? Virtue. And then to virtue, knowledge will be added and will make sense. What I'm trying to show you is if I understand the text of Scripture, the text of Scripture declares what we know about the scripture, as as important as it is, is not any more important than what we demonstrate with the reality of our own character in relationship. Does that make sense? Now, if it doesn't, I'll start over and we'll go back through it. Do I need to do that? I don't think so. Okay, now here's what we're going to do next week. I'm going to pick up, and we will use the, the virtue of courage. Next Sunday. Next Sunday. Yes. Yes. When you were talking earlier, you mentioned about um, the gentleman name you, you talked about, and you gave uh, something about in the end times or whatever you were saying. That, But anyway, my, the scripture says, too, what you were saying, what he said, it says, in the latter times, men would not endure doctrine. They would not endure sound doctrine. So what's going on in the world, the reason we don't have the virtue is because people don't endure sound doctrine as they should, and they don't stand up for it. Yeah. And the Bible said, in the latter times, many would depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of devils. Mm -hmm. And so what we're living in 
is a time where people are afraid to stand up. Mm -hmm. They rather be with the crowd, compromise, and go along with what's happening because they don't want to be talked about, they don't want to be rejected, or whatever reason it is. I totally agree with you, and I want to say add this to what you're saying. Uh, I think it would be very significant if, and I'm sure you do, I hope I do, uh, we, when we recognize that people are doing that, always come to the place where we look first to see if I'm doing that. Do you understand? The, 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 the focus of the scripture is always first where I'm to look at myself. Make your calling and election sure. It's just a simple phrase that said, make what you say about salvation sure as evidenced by your way you live. All right? Good question. Anybody else? Anybody else? Can I finish? I wasn't through. Okay, hold on just a second. Hold on just a second. Anyone else? All right, final question. We're going to go. Um, I just wanted to just put this up because I don't want to give nobody the wrong impression, whatever. Anyway, the whole thing is what I'm trying to say is that Peter even said that he said, I was counted worthy to suffer for righteousness sake. And, and the whole point is, I agree with you. We need to take it personally. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Am I doing that? Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. But, yeah. but keep in mind, too, that in the last days, what we're looking at now, yeah. we don't have a lot of Christians going to stand up for what's right. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, we'll need to pray for them, too, don't we? All right. God bless you. Hug three necks before you go. <laughs>